Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Tactic Talk is brought to you by the most active community of outdoor enthusiasts, period. Connect with local hunters, anglers, discuss gear, learn tactics from outdoor headlines, share tales. Go Wild is like a digital campfire with your buddies. If you are posting on other social platforms and finding that content is being restricted, not approved, uh, not meeting community guidelines, you're not going to find that here. This is a platform built for outdoor enthusiasts, hunters, anglers, you name it. Head over to timetogowild.com to learn more. Brought to you by the Where to Hunt podcast. It's Tactical Talk with real hunters getting it done across the nation. Hey everybody, Eric Clark here with the Where to Hunt podcast. Uh, this week we have Jared Scheffler with Whitetail Adrenaline. Uh, we're going to talk about how to get aggressive in the face of the quote-unquote October lull. And uh, really, I wanted to reach out to you because you're the expert at uh, hunting from the ground aggressively. So, um, you know, I- <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thanks, thanks for having me. But I wouldn't call me an expert. I mean, anybody that's watched the videos over the years knows I, I make plenty of mistakes along the way. I watch you and it looks like you're playing chess with these animals. So I want to pick your brain for the audience and get real granular in the nuts and bolts about like what, how they should be thinking about things or what things they should be taking into consideration. If you're hunting on the ground, you, you lose some of that advantage of that height of carrying your wind and maybe not being eye level with these animals. So like how can people um, that are hunting on public land kind of tighten that gap between them and, and the animal that they're after? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about like October low. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you clarified people on like a public land level um, because public land is in most areas fairly prevalent to some degrees or to some degree, excuse me, meaning you have a decent amount of acreage, a decent amount of different pieces to go to, which is lead me into the next uh, thing, which is I like to actually get semi-aggressive. If I'm in an area during this time of year, I like to get, you know, let's say it's kind of more wooded, you know, not as open a country. I like to get just a little bit more aggressive sometimes if it's not going very well, if I don't have an idea or a bead. A lot of people will play the soft card. But if I'm planning on, like a lot of these people that are listening are probably, you know, talking about their home turf area where they plant the pre-rut rut. So, you know, we did this for a number of years. It worked out very well in Wisconsin, where that early part of October, mid-October, before pre-rut starts kicking in, we would actually go semi-aggressively into places that we hadn't been before. And actually, kind of softly, I mean, we're kind of still hunting and stalking through the woods. We're trying to get something, but more importantly, just trying to get an idea by simply bumping. You know, sometimes you'd bump does, you know, and occasionally get on a good buck doing this. And occasionally we bump a good buck, but now we created like an inventory. Okay. We got, we, we began to do this many years ago, 10 years ago, we started doing this in Wisconsin primarily or wooded stuff. This is a really good technique. We go in, find these doe 
you know, where these does bedding areas were on these new pieces where we didn't know, know that information. Sometimes we'd get on a, a good buck in doing that. Other times we just create it. So that way, come pre-rut, entering rut, we'd have a really good idea of several different pockets that we can pop into that basically set us up and, and, and eliminated a lot of these other pieces of public that by the pre-rut rut came around, we knew which pieces we were going to target and we knew where the does were likely going to be bedding. And then we can go in and soft still hunt and stalk our way into those areas using the wind, you know, right on the fringes of those bedding areas or whatnot. And we, you know, we killed a few good bucks in the process of doing that. Um, real briefly, I'll bring up a scenario that's worked out a couple of times really well for us. And that is the very rare to, we don't pull this one out a lot, but we've pulled it out a few times over the years. And that is a bow drive. If we've got a feeling about a piece and it's just too difficult, but it's laid out good for maybe a bow drive, we'll do that. And that has set us up on more than one occasion, basically landed us exactly what we needed. The first time we didn't know if there was a big one in there, kicked it out, obviously didn't get it. Most of the time you don't on a bow drive, but we got our visual. That's a really good buck. A few weeks later, we almost, we should have by all rights gotten that deer. Um, and then that we did that again last season. We had a situation, you know, in October, fairly early to mid-October. And in this particular state, pheasant hunting was opening up the next day. We knew that there was a big buck. My buddy had gotten a visual on him. And we had tried to figure something out for a couple, three days, playing the soft card. We ended up doing a bow drive, flushed him out of there because the next day we knew pheasant hunters were pretty much going to hit that piece and do it anyways. But that gave us our visual. That deer located up relocated almost two miles away we found him in a little bit more open uh, scenario where then we were able to play some games with him um and get into the spot and stock acting um you know so i i got a little sidetracked there no that that wasn't sidetracked at all that was like really well laid out because i was wondering like i when i watch you guys you know i'm like how how are they going how are you knowing when to leave a spot like, and it sounds like you're waiting for some visual, like bumping deer or getting eyes on a buck and, and specifically knowing, okay, there is one there. If you're not getting that type of activity, you're exiting a property. Like I've seen you guys do this. You're like, yeah. nope, we're out. I don't yeah. know. Like I'm a, I'm the okay. A center is what I call myself. It's like a whole freaking thing. So like, I don't know what to look for to inform a decision to leave. I always just am the optimist, like, oh, something may come through here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and. That's a good point to bring up. So we don't have time for a spot to, to really get hot. And we also don't have, you know, a lot of people, you know, for people that are listening that already got those places and spots dialed in, they know where these does are bedding, they know where their bucks, you know, good bucks are or whatever. Maybe they don't want to get that aggressive. But when we're coming into areas and pockets or haven't hunted it for a year, we're not running cameras. We're not doing, you know, we don't have all this information backed up already. So I'm just speaking in 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 that sense for people so so that way people that aren't familiar with their videos they kind of understand why we're getting aggressive like that and yes the point you brought up about you know we're looking for that visual we need some confirmation there uh, there's 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 tons of public acreage out there an opportunity out there so general rule of thumb is if we don't get that visual we kind of keep moving it's got to be something pretty you know special for us to kind of give it you know, gotta be a compelling uh, reason to stick around. Exactly. And you know, the, the one thing that hunters really like to get hung up on sign, 
And I love signs too, just as much as the next guy. You just got to be careful. Is this nighttime sign that's happening from private deer that are crossing on the public making this sign at night? You know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't come back and hunt it, but I wouldn't waste my time there in early October. I mean, maybe that's information that I'm going to be like, okay, I do think that they're living on private, but it's early to mid-October. It's not quite pre-rut yet. It's not rut. Maybe I'll come back in a couple, three weeks and I'll catch one of them good bucks that are just making all this signs straight, you know, and maybe he'll, he'll fumble over here on the fucking daylight when I can actually shoot. Right. Well, and, and one of the things you just said a moment ago is you, once you find that, identify that buck or whatever, you're going to, you, you'll go back and you'll, you'll play the game with him. What does that, what does that game look like? Because you make it look really easy. And I think it's because you've had so much time in the woods over the, over your career doing this. Um, you know, some of us don't know how to play that game. Like, how do you start to dissect that? Yeah. Um, so, so let me just go back to like, if, if, okay. So like in the scenario where we kicked out a big buck on a bow drive. Now we waited another week and that happened to be early October. We waited another week and we thought maybe we could kill him on a bow drive. We thought we kind of had it figured out where if he's in there again, he's going to come through here. He's going to put on the brakes right here and give us a good shot. Unfortunately, he didn't come out on that one. Okay, one other buck did. He was a decent buck, a shooter, but it didn't give us a situation. Now, from that point forward, we left it alone for a couple weeks. No more playing around in there. We're going to come back and try to catch him in, in you know, late, late October, early November, in this case, in Wisconsin. And it, it, it about worked out perfect. Now, in this scenario I brought up about last year, you know, we did that. He ended up, he got an open country where we could play with him. We're going to put... We're going to be aggressive till we get that visual. And then, you know, I, I, I've, I guess what I like to do uh, or what, how I put it is to be a, a con, uh, continually successful spot and stock hunter on whitetails. I do think it's mandatory that you have to have a good balance of passive aggressive, which means there's times you got to get aggressive and ultra aggressive. And there's times you really need to put on the brakes. And that's just kind of that art side that you develop and, and begin to you know, develop better and more accurately in those situations. Your judgment is on what to do. The more you do it, there's no, uh, there's no one size fits all it's an experience you thing. Fit, yeah. You start to learn it as you more, do it. Yeah. The more experience you get, the more you understand, like I need to cover ground right now. This deer can't see me. He can't hear me. I know I need to get here. You need to do that as fast as you can. And once you get there now, it might take you an hour to go 15 yards or 20 yards to inch in there. Now it's, now you're going into passive mode. Or there might be a scenario where, like, you get a, a, a good buck in a situation where maybe it's on public, but maybe you don't think that there's other hunters hunting or small game hunters going to mess it up or whatever. You might decide, I need to play a little bit of a more passive, softer card. Now I got my visual. I don't want to get too rammy. And, and maybe you'll play that game with them for a couple, three days and, and, and just soft do it. Other times, you know, as you're starting to get into late October, November, Oftentimes you don't, you, you can't really afford to, to, to play that from a day-to-day basis because they might be gone a mile or two away the next day. So you can, you, you can't really do that. Uh, you know, well you can, but you're taking a risk there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so far, like knowing, getting in and like bumping them out of beds and then going, okay, I know where their beds are. So maybe I can come back if I bumped them out. I know like, you know, a lot of folks think that when they've bumped a deer, it's game over. Oh no, I bumped them. I'm never oh. going to see them again. But it's like, no, that, that bed worked games. for that deer. They're going to come back. The security system did its job. Um, yeah. So then like maybe you get a little bit more confidence in knowing that that's how things kind of work or you can yeah. be a little reckless. But like 
watching you hunt, you, you can like visualize and attack and kind of forecast and have the, enough foresight to know oh, he's going to try to win me this way. And so I'm going to go that way. Um, so you're hyper cognizant of the wind. And I think because you're hunting on the ground and you're covering territory to like bridge a gap quite literally on an animal like that, um, maybe talk a little bit about how you use the wind to your advantage. Yeah. A lot, you know, I'll tell you what, most of the time. Okay. So let's just say I got a big buck bedded right now. Most of the time I find myself the situation being a lot more likely for me to crosswind or semi crosswind come in on the animal. Oh, not always, but outside of rut, I mean, rut can be different. They can bed in just totally, they can just, you know how it is. Sometimes yeah, they yeah. just, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. But usually generally speaking outside of rut, they're kind of betting in a way that it's so many times it's a crosswind. You don't get the perfect downwind and I'm fine with crosswind. Uh, I, I love them because you're coming in at an, uh, kind of a direction. And a lot of times I'm barely cheating that to work. And occasionally I do get that one little tiny gust of wind, you know, and it's cost me a stock where I've gotten in there <laughs> and I get that one little gust that blows it. Just Swirls right. or I changes mean, or whatever. Yeah. 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 We get on enough stocks that it happens about once or twice a year, at least to me, you know, I had it happen last year on the situation where the wind, this deer was bedded in a perfect spot. Wind was coming over the top of the hill. I couldn't come in anywhere like that. He'd see me this way. I watched the weeds for a couple hours down where he was bedded. It was early October. So I knew the deer wasn't going to, you know, and rot, I probably would have been moving already. But in this case, I had the time. I studied the weeds for a while. The wind wasn't blowing. You know, I was watching the way that they were going. We we're good to come in how we did. By the time we got to where I was setting the guy to film, you know, we weren't there very long, 20 minutes, half hour. And all of a sudden I didn't catch it quite early enough, but within a minute or two of me catching it, he he ended up getting one of those gusts so there was a little swirl so anyways you, you don't always win that way but i do find that a lot of scenarios are that way you know some hunters think oh you got to come in on this deer completely downwind well that's not true if you've got a direct uh if you've got a that that deer can pretty much only smell you if that wind hits them perfect like almost perfect in a line or if you've got a little bit of a swirl that's giving it more of a jagged line in some scenarios you got a perfectly straight you know, blowing wind, like say on flat or more open ground, you got this perfect direction. I'm super conscious of the wind all the time. And, you know, if you got that straight line, they're going to need to be on about that straight line in order to detect you. I mean, you can pretty much, you know, like, okay, they're three yards this way. They're going to get me. They're three yards that way. They can't get me yet. Now, if you get a little bit of squirreliness in the wind, that three yards, five yards, whatever it might be, that could really screw you, you know? So, and how many pieces of property are you guys tackling? I mean, how many how many pieces of property are you setting foot on in a given season in one oh. state? Like, I mean, obviously, if we talk about like all the various seasons that you that you guys are doing in various states, et cetera. But like, if we just talk about Wisconsin, there's a shit ton of public land. But your approach is get in, get out, get in, get out, get in, get out, and then boom, oh, we got one. Like how roughly like 20 yeah you know and i'll be honest you know the last few seasons i haven't targeted wisconsin hardly at all it's a pain you know, in the like state I, to hunt. Like, like i used to yeah 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 you know you know i i really was planning to do about a week or 10 days last year but unfortunately i got sidetracked on a big buck in another state and i could not leave him because i kept playing games with him anyways so um but you know in those years where we're hitting wisconsin for let's say i was going to bow hunt wisconsin for you know two weeks a two-week period i'm probably going to walk into 30 pieces 
you know, that's a ton. Walk in and that's check mo- them out. That's, and and that's the, that's the thing now, right there that most people yeah. aren't doing that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like Wisconsin being a little bit more wooded stuff than what a lot of our videos has showcased the last couple of years, I'm going to have to actually get in there, uh, which is a lot cooler than in the vehicle scope. But, you know, like in these open states, we get quite a bit of vehicle time because we can get on a spot and glass it from the vehicle. Don't see anything. We can quickly move on. We can cover a lot of ground that way. It's very effective to be able to do that. Not always. Sometimes you got to get out, walk out a ways. I can see down in here or whatever. But in Wisconsin, in the wooded stuff or any state that has that, you're going to have to most of the time get in there, you know. Um, and, and uh, you know, in those cases, you know, the one thing that, in the wooded stuff, if you're going to be stalking and still hunting through the woods, you got to be paying attention at all times, you know, for, for movement, you, you know, you're, 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 you got to detect them before they detect you, which is an obvious thing, but you're not going to be effective still hunting and stalking in the woods. If you're not on point with that, Yeah, you know, you can, I mean, it's I mean, the slightest movement in the timber like that. I mean, they just, they're, they're such ghosts. It's such a, yeah, it gets really yeah. frustrating, you know, when you're trying to get it done, and you're like, oh, man," because every every error is magnified in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and I, I mentioned an obvious thing there, but a lot of this hunting whitetails on the ground, it can bo- be boiled down to whether you're really good and effective at it or not. It can be boiled down to usually just a handful of small things that are fairly obvious things but they make all the difference. And like in the woods, you gotta be paying attention. You gotta be always searching and looking, you know, trying to pick up that deer before, before he gets you. If it's a quiet day and you're in the woods where they're gonna hear you a ways away, you're gonna have to put on the brakes a lot more because if they hear you before you can see them, they're already looking for you. What is that up there that I hear? You know, on a windier day, you can be moving a little bit faster and get away with a little bit more and maybe detect them before they hear you, you know, another obvious thing, you know, the, you know, if you can train yourself to be really good with your eyes, you know, in the woods or in the open country, it doesn't really matter. That that's, that's a big thing. That visual, that's obviously key in this, you know, I mean, again, a very obvious thing, but you know, from there, you know, one thing that, you know, people get caught hung up on camouflages and, what to do you know generally i do like lighter colored stuff but the big thing is if they're looking your direction you're picking your times to move you know that's that's a big thing right there that busts a lot of guys is they pick the wrong time to move or i've seen guys you know even in my own videos a big buckle like glance their direction and they're kind of looking their direction and they'll like get down like i'm gonna hide from him now no now's the time you need to freeze you know uh you know, and I've made those mistakes too. It's easy to, you know, I've done that for a while. So I've kind of learned, I've kind of gotten trained on it. Like you just don't move. I mean, Chancey killed a Magnum last year on the videos and you'll see that deer totally had him and Matt Pegg and he was locked onto them for a good minute, but he didn't determine that they were a human. He thought something looked out of place. He thought something didn't look right. They just don't move. You just freeze and don't move. And it doesn't always work, but a lot of times those deer will grow comfortable like, ah, you're nothing at all. Don't need to worry about you. And a lot of times they'll come back and reaffirm. They'll relax and then try to punk you out.